0: Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, take your Bible, go to John chapter 15. This morning we come to the what's actually the last of Jesus' I Am statements, where he says, I am the vine. Now, it's not the end of this series. We have two more uh, weeks here, so I'm going I'm to tack on two additional I am statements that, that I think are important for us to see, but but of the traditional seven I am statements of Jesus, this this is the last one. It comes in John fifteen, and it comes uh, really on the on the last day or the last last day or two right before Christ is uh, arrested and then of course crucified and, and buried. So so keep in mind as we're as we've walked through these I am statements, almost all of them come. Uh, particularly the last few, come within the last week of Christ's physical life on, on earth before he, uh, before he was crucified. So uh, for us then, that, that should change the way that we look at this. That, that Christ is heading towards the cross, the cross is looming large for him, as he is still trying to tell his disciples and his followers, and, and of course now through scripture by extension us, who he is and, and what he has done. And so I usually have a stand during this time. This morning, I'm still going to do that. We're going to do something different. I've put the text to these verses on the screen. And so I'm going to ask if you would stand, and let's let's read these verses aloud together. John 15, verses 1 through 11. This is what the Word of the Lord says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and I you ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning asking that you will speak through your word. We ask you open our eyes this morning to see what it means to be in you, to remain in you. Will you show us this morning how to do that, how to to remain connected to Jesus Christ, the vine? We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Man, you can have a seat. Thank you. So, so that was something new. I, uh, I was listening to a message this week on this passage by uh, W.A. Criswell, uh, who pastored First Baptist Church in Dallas for over 50 years. And uh, I think the message was back from the early 70s. And, and he had the, the congregation of First Baptist Church Dallas stand and they read the scripture aloud. And I went, huh, we're already standing. Why not have everybody read it out loud? Uh, so um, it, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kick drive t- test drive that for for a few weeks and see see how it works. So I want us to see three things this morning about what it means to remain in Christ, or maybe your translation says abide in Christ. Those two words really mean the, the exact same thing. To abide and to remain are the same thing. The, the first thing I want us to see is that in Christ our security is assured we see this in the first uh, three verses into the first part of verse four Jesus says I'm the true vine my Father's the gardener every branch in me that does not produce fruit he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so it will produce more fruit and then verse three look at what he says here he says you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you remain in me and I in you. Now, the reason I say that our security is assured, because if we are in Christ, in verse 3, he tells us, you are already clean. Have you ever stopped to think about what that means? That in Christ, we are already clean. See, I think this is important for us. Because I'm, I'm still convinced that, that when folks think about, all too often, think about the way God sees us, that we tend to get in our mind that he's somehow unhappy with us. Or that he, he looks at us, and he sees us the way we oftentimes see us. And so he's maybe we think when he looks at us, he's disappointed in us. And the Bible says that's not how he looks at us at all. Instead, when he looks at us, he sees us as clean through his son, Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you've been made clean. That's what it means when we use this big churchy word called justification the the best the best definition I've ever heard for the term justified means that at that moment I accepted Christ it became just if I'd never sinned the plate was the slate was wiped clean now obviously we're not so if that's where we are positionally if we are positionally clean positionally justified obviously that's not where we are experientially most of the time and that's this process that, that we use, that's a big churchy word called sanctification, which is simply that Christ begins working on us. At that moment that he moves us here and says, "You are righteous," he says, "Now I'm going to start working in you so that experientially you look the way I have already made you." He begins chipping away at us. And in fact, the way that, that verse two tells us is that every, he says every, he prunes every branch that produces fruit. So that it will produce more fruit. He goes to work pruning us, taking some stuff out that doesn't need to be there anymore. Why? So that we might look more like Christ, so that we would produce even more fruit. Paul says the, the same thing in Romans eight thirty eight and 39. He says this, I am persuaded that neither life, nor or death, nor life, neither angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I love that he adds that in there. Maybe, maybe your translation says nothing else in all creation. So he lists off a whole bunch of things and he goes, just in case I missed anything, nothing else will separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And the whole reason we believe that is, is, as I've said before, salvation's a gift. You didn't earn it. You can't lose it if you are in Christ. All right. Well, what about, because verse two mentions somebody else too, right? It mentions, it says that Christ will prune those that produce fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. But the first part of verse two mentions somebody else. It says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. Now, what do we do with that? So if we just said that we're assured here, he's talking about some branches that are, that are removed. What what on earth do we do with that? Well, quite simply, at, at, at its most basic level, what I think the Bible is trying to say here is that. These the people who are mentioned in this branch were never in Christ to begin with. They might have hung around him for a little while. Remember in the sower in the, the parable of the sower and the seeds. Seeds scattered all over the place. And some of it shows some some signs of life, springs up quickly. What does it say? Immediately they're choked out by the thorns, by the the cares of this world. Some don't have roots. They go very deep and they they wither. The the way John is going to later put this in his letter, is in 1 John 2.19, is he says this. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. And this is the, this is the best explanation I, I know. When, when someone falls away from the faith, when, when, they, when they show some signs that, that maybe they're in the faith and then they something happens and, and they fall away, the, the, the clearest explanation I have for that from, from Scripture is that if you're not producing fruit, you're not connected to the vine. That, that those who showed some signs of faith and then walked away, and you never see that come back. Now, it's not to say that we can't stray, so, so let, me, let me be very clear here, okay? At times, we're all going to walk away, but if you are in Christ, you are not going to get very far before he pulls you right back. For story after story of folks who said, you know, I, I tried running from God, and I, I never... I never got very far. Every time I turned around, he was right there. I'm, reading, I'm rereading Johnny Cash's first autobiography called The Man in Black. Outstanding book. Uh, anything Johnny Cash has written or about Johnny Cash, you should read. But um, <laughs> it, his, his autobiography, The Man in Black, is fantastic. because he talks about in the depths of his drug addiction, even, even though he wanted to run away, He knew he was never out of the presence of God. He said he never felt abandoned by God. Now, I'm not saying we need to follow his example, but I'm saying that's an example of the grace of God in our lives. And so, listen, if you try to run, you are not going to get very far, okay? Uh, God didn't let Jonah get very far before he supernaturally. Short of turning heaven and earth upside down, let Jonah know, no, you're not running away from me. So, so, so listen, if you, can, if you can run and not feel God's presence tugging on you, I would say that there is great cause for concern. I'm not saying that you were saved and you lost it. No, because the Bible says that, I believe the Bible says that, that can't happen. Rather, it wasn't ever there to begin with. And we'll talk more about that when we, in just a second. So, so John here says, listen, there were some who, who came in and they, they were apart for a little bit. And then they went out and we never saw them again. He said, and that happened so that we might know they were never really a part of us to begin with. Um, now, now, if you're here, we're talking about our, our security. Our identity is secured in Christ. And so maybe you're here and you're going, boy, I... Listen, man. I, I know I've accepted Christ. I I, I know that at some point I tr- I've placed my faith in Him. But but man, at some point I, I just I don't feel very secure. I I, I don't I don't know that I 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 have that assurance that that if if t- to if, if this is my last day, man, am I am I going to Christ? Do, do I know that I haven't like hit the last sin on on the on the sin meter and, and He's like, well, see you. That that was it let me let me tell you one of the most impactful verses that I've ever heard. and this is not on the screen, it's not in your notes, but it's jeremiah seventeen nine. So man, jot this down in your margin or on your on your notes somewhere because this is this is one of the most fundamental verses in the Bible. The heart is deceitful more than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? You ever heard somebody tell him, like a a teenager, well, you know, sweetie, just follow your heart? No! (laughs) He seems like a nice boy, I'll just follow my heart. No! (laughs) The heart is deceitful above all else. So listen, when when my feelings contradict the word of God, I have to make a decision about which one I'm going to trust. In fact, I have a little diagram that when I'm, when I'm discipling somebody, I'll show it's, it's a train, and there are three cars. And then I'll write three words on, on the board, faith, fact, and feeling. Three cars. There's an engine, there's a coal car, and there's a caboose. The coal car represents faith, because our faith is only as good as the object we put it in. So that leaves two other things on the board, and I always ask, which one of these is going to drive the train? You'd be, you'd be surprised, or, or maybe you wouldn't, how often people say, well, feelings. That's, that's, that's what I... No, listen. Facts drive the train because your feelings will lead you astray. Here's the facts of what God has said. He said that if you are in Christ, nothing, height, depth, rulers, authorities, powers, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. So listen, on those days, when I wake up and I'm going, man, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I want to do this today. I'm not sure God wants me today. The Bible assures me that He does. And that's the fact that I have to place my faith in. So 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 listen, if, if you are secure in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are more secure than you can ever imagine. No matter what happens in this life, you are safe. You are secure. That's why people can risk their lives to take the gospel to places that have never heard it before. That's why guys like Nate Saint in the 1950s went to Ecuador and were willing to lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel because they knew no matter what happened to them, they were secured. And that freed them to take great risks for the kingdom of God and seeing the Great Commission fulfilled. And I I just, I'm crazy enough to believe this is why so many Christians live powerless lives. Live terrified lives. Because we're not certain that we're secure. And when that certainty, when, when you come to believe that I am secure in Christ, that takes fear of everything else away. So no matter what my bank account does, no matter what happens to my job, no matter if my neighbors hate my guts, I'm secure in Christ. Now, we aren't just now, now, as I've said, just because we're secure in Christ doesn't mean that he's done working on us. Okay? In fact, as we've already said, um, Jesus said that, that those who are in Christ and are already bearing fruit will be pruned so that they'll bear, bear even more fruit. This is what uh, the writer of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews 12 11 says no discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful you know pruning not a n- not an easy process right I mean there are things being cut out surgery is not a gentle process usually but would you rather have surgery or let the cancer run wild and it's the same idea here. Would we rather experience some painful pruning that God does or let spiritual cancer continue to run wild in our lives? It seems painful at the time, but look here. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's not, it's not pleasant at the time, but later on we end up looking more like Christ because he disciplined us, because he pruned us. So the first thing that we have to understand, when we're connected to the vine, if we are in Christ, we are secured. Our security is assured. Uh, secondly, in Christ, our fruit is apparent. Look with me at the second half of verse 4, going on down. It says, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit, and prove to be my disciples. Um, So so when he starts talking about fruit here, that's that's another word for, it's it's the idea of works, that that the one who's in Christ is going to produce works. There's going to be evidence that we're in Christ. You know an apple tree is an apple tree because it produces apples. If you claimed you had an apple tree in your backyard and you haven't seen apples in the last 20 years, it's probably not an apple tree. I'm just going out on a limb and and, going to state the obvious, right? And, And yet, and yet, do we know Christians who claim to be Christians who haven't produced fruit in the last 20 years? Remember, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. Now, now, here's the good news. So, so if you're in Christ and you're going, man, that, that sounds awful lot like works and like works-based and that makes us kind of nervous here as Baptists. Okay, let me, let, let me clear, clarify something for you. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, Paul says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Then he says this in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So listen, man, that lets me breathe a great sigh of relief. So when it says, you're gonna produce fruit, and I go, well, what does that look like? God prepared it beforehand, that you should walk in it. And what I love is that he even tells us what this fruit is supposed to look like. And so, you know, immediately you might be thinking, well, does that mean that, like, I need to, like, line up everybody that that I've led to the Lord in the last year and, like, put them on a card and say, see? What what does he mean by fruit? Well, thankfully, Paul in Galatians 5 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And all of these, what what I love about these, almost all of these are internals. They're not outward actions. They're they're, um, attitudes. They're actions of the heart. Why? Because it doesn't matter what else you're doing if your heart isn't right. And this is what he says. For the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So listen, you want want to know if you're in Christ? These, These qualities right here are a pretty good barometer. Are you growing in love, joy, and peace? And the rest. Not are you perfect. Not can you like check them all off. Right. Like like in our Sunday school envelopes. Check joy. Yes. Peace. patience, <gasps> Kindness. Okay. Goodness. Right. No. That's not what I'm saying. Are you growing in them? Are you showing evidence. That these things are springing up. In your life. More so than they were five years ago. Ten years ago a year ago. More so, am am I growing in these more today than I was yesterday? Are you going to crush it? Of course not. Is everyone going to exhibit perfect patience? No. But we can grow in them as followers of Christ. If you've claimed to be a believer for the last 5 years, 10 years, 50 years? And these things are not present in your life. And you have no desire to see these things grow in your life. That's a time to ask some very hard questions about your salvation experience. Because in Christ we produce fruit. And there's, Jesus has a very strict warning about those who claim to be in him but don't produce fruit. He says they're cut off and thrown into the fire. Apart from Christ, he says in verse 5, you can do nothing. In, in, uh, in the old King James Version, makes it pretty explicit. Ye can do nothing. Well, now, what does he mean by nothing? You know what? I looked that up in, in the Greek, and you know what that means? Nothing. None. <laughs> Well, that's literally what it said. I was just like, man, is there a deeper word? Is it trying to get us? No, it means nothing. Do you know what nothing means? You break it apart. No thing. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Well, what does he mean that we can do nothing? Well, Paul says it in Ephesians 2.1. You were dead in sins and trespasses. What does a dead person do? Nothing. They rot. Think about a branch that's been lying in your yard for a while. It's severed from the trunk. What's it good for? I can think of about two things. You can hit your brother, and you can burn it. It's not going to continue to produce fruit because it's severed from the vine. And it's The same in the life of the Christian. Adrian Rogers put it this way, and I love this. He said, branches exist for one thing, the vine. Branches exist for one thing. They exist for the vine. If you sever it from the vine, not only will they cease to function properly, they will shrivel and die quickly. And it's the same with you and me. You know, oddly enough, Rick Warren said that about Uh, Christians who would sever themselves from the body of Christ that if you remove it from the body if you you cut off your hand and remove it from the body it's going to shrivel and die quickly we don't get thing like in the Adams family just running around like a hand that doesn't happen in real life one of the ways we remain connected to Christ, one of the ways we uh, see fruit in our lives is by being connected to his body here's the last thing and this is this is maybe one of the most paramount things for us. In Christ, our joy is abundant. You know, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit that we just looked at. And, and, and I believe that without joy, you're not going to have love, and you're not going to have peace, and you're not going to have patience, you're not going to have kindness, you're not going to have a, a lot of things. And yet, how many people who, cra- who claim to be followers of Christ do we know who live joyless Lives. Remember one old guy in the in the church that I grew up in. He, he just looked like he hated where he was. Like all the time. You know, you go up and ask him, Well, brother, how are you today? Well, I'm just fine. <laughs> I'm having a good day. I hate to catch you on a bad day. I, right? I remember, like I remember, some of these songs, you know, singing "Blessed Assurance." "Blessed Assurance," Jesus is mine. Really? I don't think I want to be blessed that way. That's not. uh. You know, Paul in Philippians four four gives us this command. He says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And in case you missed it, I will say it again: Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. You know, you you might look at that and say, well, well, sure, you know, Paul, he was a missionary. Sure, easy for him. Keep in mind, he's writing this from prison. He's chained to a prison guard. And he's writing to this church saying, rejoice, be joyful, always. And yeah, I'll say it again, rejoice. So how do we maintain our joy then? Well, in, in verse 10, Jesus tells us he says this if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as i have kept my father's commands and remain in his love obedience fuels joy which in turn get get this our joy will fuel obedience which will fuel joy which will fuel obedience which will fuel joy and you see the way it works Okay, which commands? Well, I'm glad you asked, because somebody asked Jesus the same thing. Which commands do I have to keep? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. How am I obedient to God? I love God and I love people. That's why the first thing in in our three-part little purpose about why we exist, love, serve, give, is to love. Love God, completely love others compassionately. That will lead us to serving and to giving. As we come to love God, that will fuel our joy for him. Be obedient to the great commandment, but also be obedient to the great commission. For Jesus, Matthew 28 says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Man, you want to experience something about the joy of the Lord, lead somebody to Him. Watch watch Him start blowing up their lives. And see if you, you can't. See if that doesn't fuel joy in your life as we're obedient, as we see him doing what he promised he would do as we're faithful to do what he's commanded us to do. Okay, so then what do we do when we lose our joy? When, I'm, when I wake up on those days and it's just like, mm, I, don't, I don't think I want to do this. I'm not feeling the joy of the Lord this morning. What do I do? Well, we see something about that in the life of David. In a time when he lost his joy because of some sin that was in his life. And we see the way he responded and that he repented. He prayed to the Lord and told him about his sin. And then he prays this. He says, restore, restore the joy of your salvation to me. And sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Uh, no, notice what two things that are related here. So he prays that the Lord would restore his joy. He would sustain him by giving him a willing spirit. And you see the result of that. Then, the re, then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Sinners return to God when believers experience the joy of salvation. You know, there's something about joyless people. They want you to be just as joyless as they are. Miserable people want you to be miserable. I'm just just crazy enough to believe that joyless and miserable are two words that should never be able to describe a follower of Christ. So as we wrap up this morning, I really just have three questions for you. First of all, are you secure? Do you know for sure that you're in Christ? One of the ways we're assured of our security, one of the evidences of that is the fruit. Is there evidence of the fruit in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not not that you can like check off 100% on all of them, but do you see evidence of you growing in those as you come to know Christ better and then finally last thing how's your joy you know happiness is oftentimes I think we confuse joy and happiness happiness is fleeting happiness can can go away like that and it can come like that coffee makes me happy and when 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 my coffee's gone I'm not happy it's that simple But joy is an underlying current that flows when things are good and when things are bad. Happiness won't secure you. Joy will carry you along even through the darkest and most unthinkable of times in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Kyle, I'm I'm, I'm not secure. I can't say that, that I know for sure. I'd love to just visit with you, pray with you, uh, figure out where you are in, in, in following after Christ. Maybe you'd say, man, I just, I, there's, there's not the fruit that I, that I want in my life. I'd love to visit with you about that, too. Help you know how, how you can get in God's word and, and see him begin pruning you so that you can produce these, these fruits even more. And then maybe you'd just say, boy, I'm, I'm lacking in some joy. If that's you this morning as, as always the altars open and I, and I would encourage you to do exactly what David did and just pray those words restore the joy of salvation to me give me a willing spirit If that's you I'd, I'd love to pray with you the altar is open however the Lord's leading you you come let's pray Father we thank you for this morning I thank you for your word I thank you I thank you for the security that we have in you, that, that as followers of Christ, we don't have to worry about, well, am I saved today or am I not? Have I, have I hit my sin quota for the day and, and he, he's kicked me out? But, but I believe your word teaches that we are secured. Once you move us from death to life, there's no going back. It's a one-way street. God, I pray that we as your followers would be producing fruit that gives evidence of who we are. That we would be people who are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And that that might give evidence to those around us that we are followers of Christ. And that that might cause them to start asking some questions, which gives us the opportunity to share about the joy and the hope that we've found in Christ. Finally, Father, help us to be people who are joyful, who, who rest assured in the fact that, that no matter what happens in this life, we are, we are safe in Christ, and that gives us an underlying sense of joy, even... when when life is not going nearly like we had expected it would. God, move in these next few moments. Change hearts and lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.